Well, turn with me in your Bibles this morning to the book of Judges. They're going to make me clean this up. I know what's about to happen. The book of Judges in the Old Testament, Judges chapter 7. Judges chapter 7. And while you're finding that in your Bibles, two weeks from today, and I'm sure you've heard about an event that we're going to be hosting here at the church called Eat and Treat. I'm all about it. I don't know about y'all, but uh, I'm sure you've heard about it, but I want to encourage you all to, number one, be here, but number two, I want to encourage you to bring a guest with you when you come. Uh, we'll be having our regularly scheduled services that morning, 8.30 and 10.30, and uh, so we want you to be here for that. Um, but uh, following that, we're going to have some food trucks that are set up out in the parking lot. And so following service, we'd love for you to stay and let's all have lunch together. You can purchase uh, either Mexican food. Sergio's going to have his trailer here. Uh, there's going to be a barbecue trailer here. We don't know what all is going to be here because I haven't been here. But our staff's been planning all this. And uh, we would love to have you join us for lunch. There will be all kinds of games uh, set up and lots of candy for our kids in the parking lot uh, two weeks today. It would be a great weekend for you to reach out to someone that maybe you haven't seen here in quite a while. Or maybe someone that you know doesn't have a church or they're looking for a church home. It would be a great weekend for you to invite them uh, to come and just introduce them to our church and some of our people. It's going to be a great day. We hope to have a great turnout and that we're going to meet some new people from our community during that time. Well, um, honestly, I want to just kind of give you an update of some things that have been going on the last few weeks in my life. I look forward to catching up with you guys and finding out what's been going on in your lives and and your families while I've been away. Our staff's done a great job of protecting me and keeping me out of the know and, and all that good stuff. But I knew some of you would be interested in kind of what I've done over the past six weeks. And to be honest with you, uh, a few weeks ago I was, I was beginning to get a little bit concerned. Because the first four weeks that I was gone and on sabbatical, the hogs were 4-0. And I was beginning to make this connection with me not being in church and the hogs being undefeated. Well, rumor around town I found out later is that y'all are suspicious too. And that there had been some things said about should we let him come back if we're still undefeated. And I was a little worried about that until... We, I saw Georgia on the schedule, and I was like, I'm good to go. I'll be back uh, without a, a doubt. And so here I am. And I was pleased to see when I got here this morning that my key did still work in the office door. My office was not packed up. Uh, I had a friend who's a pastor, and he told me uh, when uh, I talked to him, when I found out I was going to be doing this, I said, you know, our Lord's asked me to take a sabbatical. And he said, oh, no. And I said, what do you mean, oh, no? And he said, my church asked me to take a sabbatical one time, and they never let me come back. 
And I was like, well, you know, I don't know. So I was pleased. My key worked. My office was not packed up. But seriously, I want to thank our church board again for approaching me, asking me, and allowing me uh, to just take a little break, to uh, step away from all of my ministry responsibilities uh, and, uh, you know, just be able to kind of try to refresh, relax, renew, refuel, and do all those things. And I'm going to tell you, it has been very beneficial. It has been a refreshing time, a time of renewal and recovery. And I'm thrilled to be back, and I look forward to the future uh, with you guys in the weeks, months, and years ahead. I also can't thank our staff enough. I know uh, that you guys appreciate our staff more than ever now, and I know that I do. They have not only carried their loads and their responsibilities of ministry, but they've also been carrying mine. And I've heard reports that they have done a very fine job. I had no doubt whatsoever uh, that they would. That wasn't one of my concerns. I have the utmost confidence in our staff. Uh, they're truly amazing, and I'm blessed to be able to work alongside them. A lot of people say, you know, they work for, they work for me, and, and, and I always impress on them. You don't work for me. We work together. We're working side by side to try to build the kingdom of God uh, here in our community, and I'm grateful and thankful. Lynette and I had a wonderful time of traveling, spending time with friends, spending time with family. Uh, we began, as I told you the last week that we were here, uh, we left to go to uh, Florida. We spent about a week uh, in Florida. She loves sand and sun, and I don't know why, but I go with her, and, uh, but it was a relaxing time, and we truly enjoyed that. I got to spend one weekend worshiping with Keith and Gretchen Rooney, who oversee our church's what we call motorsports mission ministry. Uh, I've always heard reports. I've always promoted it. Our, uh, we support them financially, and we have people that go and help them from time to time, but I never had an opportunity to go. And so I went uh, and got to be a part of their ministry that weekend as they ministered to, while I was there, about 50 people. And they got to share the gospel of Jesus and the hope that we have in them. And those people uh, love Keith and Gretchen. And they're making a huge impact. And uh, what a blessing to be able to go and see that. I'm more excited about that ministry now than I've ever been because I've got to be a part of it firsthand. Uh, we're going to be encouraging you in the years ahead, to be a part of that ministry and to take a Sunday, not everybody at once, but to take a Sunday and, and go and help and serve and, and be a part of that ministry and that arm uh, of our church. And I, I had a ball there, and God's using them for His glory uh, and His good in that ministry. We also had the opportunity to go and spend some time with uh, Dr. Uh, Randy Berkner, and his wife, Debbie, some of you will remember them. They were our district superintendents here in our district for several years. And while they were here, they became uh, good friends of ours. They were great encouragers to Lynette and I. And uh, we've fallen in love with them. And 
we got to go spend some time with them. And, and while we were there, they just encouraged us. And, and they spoke uh, truths into our lives. Just did what they've always done. They've always been a blessing to us. And so we got to spend some time with them in their beautiful home. And love that. And then last weekend was probably the highlight of it all. Um, we got to go to church with my dear friend, my mentor, my pastor, Brother Jim. Man, that guy can preach. And uh, we got to spend the day with him and Sandra. Got to have lunch with them. Y'all, he's having the time of his life. Pastor in a, a little church of about 20, 25 people. He loves them. Uh, they love him. He preached about 20 minutes and said more in that 20 minutes than I can say in an hour. Uh, but God's blessing them, and they're having some of their greatest days. And what a blessing it was to just be with them and, and uh, be preached to by my pastor again. Uh, it was so good, so, such a blessing. But probably one of the most enjoyable things that I've got to do over these past six weeks is just to study God's Word without the pressure of trying to write a sermon. Uh, my mom asked me yesterday, what are you going to preach on tomorrow? I said, Mama, I've been off. I'm still off. I don't go back till tomorrow. And she said, so, you know, whatever you come up with tomorrow morning from the time you get up till you get up there, you're going to preach? I said, pretty much. But, uh, but no, I got to just study God's Word and just let it speak to me and be still. And listen to what God wanted to say to me and speak into my life. And not worry about what He's wanting to say through me, but what He's wanting to say to me. And one of the studies that I did while I was off, I'm actually still in it, I hadn't finished it, uh, is the Bible study that a lot of our ladies here in the church are doing. Some of you have already finished it, I believe the Tuesday morning group may be done with it, but... Lynette encouraged me. She said, I, I, I tell you, this Bible study is really good. I think you would like it. And so I began to do it. And uh, you just got to get past all the facts where, you're, you know, as you're reading it, she's calling you a girl, and a female, and all that, you know. But a lot of people have called me a girl all my life. I don't know why. But, but this study that I was doing just really began to speak to my heart, and it brought me, one of the days brought me to this passage of Scripture in Judges chapter 7. Uh, it's the story of Gideon. I've preached on Gideon before, multiple times, I believe, but today I want to focus on one particular part of this story that the writer of this Bible study brought out, Priscilla Shirer. Um, and I want to focus on this one particular piece as we're beginning this new series today that we're calling Our Moment. It's Our Moment. One thing that I've been going back to over these past few weeks in my study is this idea that this is 
our moment to represent God. This is our moment to serve God. This is our moment to glorify God. You know, we, we read all these stories of the past. We read these stories of the Bible of, of what God has done and what God has done through others. We, we hear the stories of what God has done even in this church. This church was founded in, in, in 1904. And we hear the stories and know the stories of our, our parents and our grandparents. You know, and we hear about their moments and their faithfulness and their obedience and what God did in their lives and what God did on those congregations and what God did in their situations. And, and it began to strike me. This is our time. This is our moment for God to do some amazing and, and awesome things. This is, this is our moment because here's the deal. Life is, is here today and gone tomorrow, Scripture tells us. James, the brother of Jesus, warns us and he says, life is like a vapor. You're not going to be here very long. And then it's all going to be over. And so I think that it's very important today that we focus on the fact and remind ourselves of the fact that this is our very brief moment that you and I have been given as the children of God to serve Him and build His kingdom. And I know that everybody, believe it or not, has their own ideas about what the church ought to be. Everybody has their own opinions about what the church ought to be like, what it ought to look like, and what the church ought to act like. And that's okay that everybody has their opinions and their ideas about the, what the church should be and what the church should do. And that's just fine if you do, as long as it lines up with God's Word. As long as it lines up with what God says the church ought to be. And it lines up with what Scripture says the church ought to be doing. And so over these next few weeks, that's going to be our focus. We're just kind of going to go back to the basics and make sure that we're all on the same page about what the church ought to be and what the church ought to be doing. But here's the deal, folks. This all begins with where we're at right now. Where are we at right now? In this moment in time. If this is our moment, and we understand that, and we realize that, and we, be, and we understand that our moment is right now. Maybe for some of you it will begin today. We need to understand where we're at at this point in time so that we don't miss it and miss our moment. And so this morning, let's pick up our text here in Judges chapter 7. We're going to begin in verse 1, and I'm just going to read the whole thing to you this morning, reading through verse number 9. So join me in reading God's Word. Judges 7, verse 1. It says, Early in the morning, Jerubbabel, that is Gideon, and all his men camped at the spring of Herod. The camp of Midian was north of them in the valley near the hill of Morah. The Lord said to Gideon, 
you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands, or Israel would boast against me. They would be saying, my own strength has done this. My own strength has saved me. So now announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear, anyone who's scared, may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 left, while 10,000 remained. But the Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many. Take them down to the water, and I will thin them out for you there. If I say, this one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say, this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So Gideon took the men down to the water. There the Lord told him, Separate those who lap the water with their tongues as a dog laps from those who kneel down to drink. Three hundred of them drank from cupped hands, lapping like dogs. All the rest got down on their knees to drink. The Lord said to Gideon, With the three hundred men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the others go home. So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites home. But he kept the 300, who took over the provisions and trumpets of the others. Now the camp of Midian lay below him in the valley. During that night, the Lord said to Gideon, Get up and go. Get up, go down against the camp, because I am going to give it into your hand. Kind of crazy story, right? There's a lot of weird there. And this story may be familiar to some of you. For some of you, you may have never heard this story before. But I'll tell you what jumped out to me as I was reading this and as I was studying this. And to be honest with you, it's something that has been on my mind for quite some time. And honestly, I don't know if it's been driven out of fear or apprehension. I would hope that it has been driven by expectation. But honestly, I can't say that, and I don't know for sure. But here's where I'm at right now as your pastor. And I need you to know, I'll be perfectly honest with you. Because I believe some of you probably are sharing the same feelings. I've been here at this church for roughly 25 years. Some of you have been here longer. But Lynette and I have been here for about 25 years. And so I've seen a lot. We've been through a lot. And for the most part, it's all been good. It's all been amazing. It's all been exciting to be a part of it and to see what God has done over the years. And you can go back and, you know, you can chart the statistics and the numbers and all that. And you can just see how God has done incredible things in this church. And it's just grown and grown and been blessed and blessed. But then came 2020. And COVID, a worldwide pandemic. At the end of 
2019, I went back and looked. I know I wasn't supposed to be paying attention to anything church-related, but I really couldn't get away from it. Don't tell my staff or the board, but I was actually sneaking in here every once in a while and checking and making sure my office wasn't packed up. But also, we have a chart where we document the attendance each and every week. So I was kind of following along with that. But I went back and looked at the end of 2019, the church year of 2019. We were averaging here in our church between the two services, averaging 371 people attending our Sunday morning worship services. That was the average which meant that there were several Sundays in that year that we would have over 400 people attending our worship services on Sunday morning. Since COVID, as of right now, we're averaging around 225. 225 to 250. So we went from around 400 people to around 250 people. I don't think that many people have died. (laughs) I preached one COVID funeral. And I feel blessed to be able to say that because I know a lot of pastors that preached several funerals and some of their own family members. I went back in our records, though, just kind of looking back at the history of the church. And what I found is that what we're running right now is what we were running in the year 2001. 20 years ago. All that growth that we saw over the last 20 years. And now we're back where we were. You want to take the wind out of somebody's sails? The air out of their balloon? And as your pastor, I look at that. Honestly, I I freak out just a little bit. Because my first question is this. What have I done wrong? What am I doing wrong? Is it me? Is it time? What can we do different? What can we do to stop the bleeding? What can we do to swing the momentum back in the direction that It was going. And to be honest with you, I think those are fair questions to ask, right? I think that's fair to ask those kinds of questions. And if it is me, I'm praying that the Lord will make me into the kind of pastor and the kind of leader that I need to be at this place and at this time. I'm not going to run from it. 
And I don't want to be afraid of it. But here's the deal. We're not the only church that's experiencing this. And I don't say that as an excuse today. I say that as fact. We're not the only church that's experiencing this decline. Most every pastor that I have talked to is experiencing this same kind of decline in their churches since COVID. Now, I'll give you, there are a few exceptions for whatever reason. There are a few exceptions. I know my mom's church has just thrived and, and they've continued to grow and do great things through this. And God bless them. I'm, I'm glad. And then my Bible studies while on sabbatical brings me to this passage of Scripture here in Judges chapter 7. In verse 2, the Lord said to Gideon, You have too many. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands, or Israel would boast against me, saying, we did this in our own strength. My strength, my own strength has saved me. And so over these past few weeks and over you know, the, the past few months and even year, I've been asking this question. What can I do? What can I do? Or what can I convince others to do? You know, what, what can we do? What can I, I bring before this group of people and say, you know, if we do this, we'll swing the pendulum. We'll, you know, we'll stop the bleeding. If we could do this. And then, you know, it hit me. It's not about what I can do. It's not about what we can do. The question is this. What can God do through us, the ones who are left? <laughs> what can God do through us? What can He do if we'll be faithful? We'll be available. And we'll be obedient to Him. Because you see... He put each and every one of us here, right now, this place, and this time. And friends, you and I cannot miss this moment. We cannot miss our moment. This is our moment. This is our time. These are the cards that we have been dealt. What are we going to do? How are we going to respond? Can, can I just tell you something this morning? COVID did not catch God by surprise. It didn't catch Him by surprise. He wasn't caught off guard that people would stop going to church and use it as an excuse. Now, now listen, I'm, I'm not saying this. Back early, when we didn't know about this, and we didn't fully understand this, and we saw people dying, yeah, I believe with all my heart, the right thing to do was try to protect those that were vulnerable among us. We didn't know what we were up against. And all we had to go on was what our leaders were telling us and what our health care professionals were telling us. 
And I believe with all my heart, we made the best decisions that we can make with what we knew. But folks, I'm here to tell you today, a lot of people are using COVID as an excuse not to be in church. We have vaccines. We have ivermectin. <laughs> Take your pick. Pick your poison. I don't care. Take something. All right? <laughs> A lot of people. And God's not caught off guard that this would happen. That people would take this pandemic and begin to use it as an excuse to forsake the gathering of the church like Scripture tells us to do. And I'm grateful and thankful that we can broadcast our services. I have people in my own family that had never heard me preach a message until we started putting our stuff online. There are people today that are watching that are not in this community and not in this area that are faithful watchers of our services and our Bible studies. I'm not speaking to those people. I'm speaking to those people today who, oh, by the way, we can tell by going back and looking at statistics by who's watching online and all that kind of stuff that those numbers have basically gone in the tank. And so those people that have made COVID an excuse not to go to church, they're not even watching today, so I'm not hurting their feelings. They don't know what I'm saying. And they're not going to go back and watch it later on this week. It is what it is, folks. And God is not caught by surprise or caught off guard by what's going. He's not shocked that during this pandemic, that this great church of the Nazarene in Greenbrier, Arkansas would go from 400 people to 250 and I'll tell you something that's interesting about that. As we've seen that number drop, and somebody reminded me today, he you know, came up to me following the early service, and he said, you know, those people that were coming wasn't really committed anyway, so it's probably more like 300 people that were missing instead of 150. I said, gee, thanks for that encouragement. <laughs> I tell you, your, your, the... Uh, spiritual gift that you have is not encouragement, okay? <laughs> but when we saw this decline, I want to tell you something interesting that happened, which actually speaks volumes when you begin to look at it. We went from 400 to 250. Our finances stayed steady. Why is that? Well, I think it just goes to prove that the 225, the 250 that have stuck with us are the ones that have always stuck with us. They've been the ones all the time that were bought in, committed, steady. And so those that have left were Actually, they just appear to be fringe people who weren't really committed to what we were doing here to begin with. And not only has our giving tithes and offerings been steady, we've seen folks that God is using in even greater ways than He ever has before to be 
a blessing to our church and our ministry through their faithfulness in bringing and giving their tithes and their offerings. And so here's what that tells me. Those that have remained are the ones that have always carried the load. Those that remain are the ones who've been committed, bought in, and faithful. And for those of you who have remained faithful to God's church, don't miss this. There's a reason you're here. God has a plan. This is your moment. This is our moment. The ones we have are faithful. The ones that we have, we know are committed. The ones that we have, I know good and well, they will not be swayed because their roots run deep. I'll take it. I'll take this bunch. I'll take you. I want to share something with you this morning from the Bible study that I've been doing. And again, this will be familiar to some of our ladies. A quote by Priscilla Shire. I didn't give her credit for it here on the screen, but she wrote this Bible study. And I want to quote her as she brought us to this passage of Scripture where God is speaking directly to Gideon. And He says, The people who are with you are too many for me to give Midian into their hands. That's verse 2. She writes, In other words, the more resources Gideon had at his disposal the less of a victory he would experience. Having more was actually working against him. Did did you catch that? You know, I never thought about it like this before. She says, having more people at this particular time was actually working against him. And it it would be easy for you to sit back and, and, and say... You know, Steve, this is a great passage of Scripture for you to use to make an excuse for what has happened. To make an excuse for for what's going on. Because you have no idea what else to do. And so you found this passage of Scripture that suits you or fits the occasion. And to that I'd say, may be true. But what if... What if God truly does want to use less to do more? What if? I mean, have we ever seen Him do that before? Isn't that not pretty much the story of the Bible? Did He not always... Pick the people who were less likely to be picked? Did he not always take less and do a whole lot more? How big was his church? Twelve? I'll be honest with you, when we uh, worshiped with Brother Jim and Sandra the other day, uh, I was joking with somebody and, and uh, I, I said, Well, I about whittled it back down to a number that he could deal with if he wants to come back. He's like, are you kidding me? He said, I've just got 20. <laughs> I'm like, well, how awesome would that be? But no, seriously. 
All throughout Scripture, God took less in order to do more. He fed the multitudes. He took the most unlikely people. Gideon. Go back and read his story when you go home today. I wouldn't have picked him. He was a coward. He was scared to death. He picked David. He picked the 12 disciples who we all know none of them were perfect. Mary, the mother of Jesus. Who would have picked a teenager to carry the Son of God? What if God truly does want to use less in order to do more? It's what He always does. Does. Why? Why does He do it that way? Why has He chosen to do it that way? So that men and women could not boast that they had done anything. Everybody that saw what God had done through people, they knew God had done it. So that we could not boast. So the Lord says in verse 7, the Lord said to Gideon, with the 300, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the rest go home. Did anybody do the math? He started with 32,000. Take that, Joel Osteen. <laughs> Sorry, if you like him, that's fine. His teeth are too pretty for me, but. I bet he don't have a tractor either. Let that thing go on. Let that thing go on. Go on. Go on. Go on. <laughs> Somebody just snorted. I heard him. Is that David? <laughs> He's going, well, you didn't have a tractor six weeks ago. Uh, He had 32,000. Now he's down to what? 300? You think we've taken a hit? <laughs> Poor guy. So, here's the deal. This is where I'm at. I'm not afraid. We can't be afraid because we're fewer we can't be afraid because we maybe appear to be a little weaker. Because that is exactly who God will use. And He is all we need. Verse 8. So Gideon, he kept what he, he, kept what he had. He kept the 300. I'm keeping you. I want you. I want you to stay with me. Be with me. Gideon kept the 300 who took over the provisions and trumpets of the others. And the Lord said to Gideon, Get up and go. We're going to see this all throughout this series. Get up. Go down against the camp.
because I am going to give it into your hands. So today, I'm asking you to embrace this. This is where we are. This is where we're at. Are we going to embrace it? Are we going to make excuses for it? Are we going to be afraid of it? Are we going to run from it? Or are we going to understand this is our moment? This is our moment. Friends, we had no control over it. We had no control over it. We couldn't stop it. And we surely couldn't fix it in our own power. In our own wisdom. But I believe if we will embrace this moment, my moment, your moment, that He will use us for His glory. Priscilla goes on to say this. That's where Gideon got his confidence. And that just kind of rattled me. Poor guy went from 32,000 down to 300. And she's saying, that's where Gideon got his confidence. It's where you and I can get our confidence too. And when we're confident, with that kind of confidence, we don't need to gather more reinforcements right now. Or maneuver ourselves into a favorable position for outsmarting and outperforming everybody else. Instead, we can walk into any situation with what? Humility. It's been kind of humbling to see what's happened, hasn't it? You see, that's what God wants us to do. Is to approach His work, approach Him. With humility. Approach others with humility. So we can walk into any situation with authentic humility. Which is one of the key elements that invites the fire of heaven. Folks, I've heard about the fire of heaven coming down. I've read about it in scripture. I've heard my grandmother talk about stories where the fire fell and the awesome things that God did in the the church and among the church. I've heard the stories. I've heard the reports. I've, I've read countless things about how the fire fell and the people caught on fire and God just did a mighty work in and through them. Our God is still the same. We sang it earlier. He hasn't lost His power. He's still the same God. But what people allowed Him to do was take them in their weakness to take what they had that was least and to do more in and through that. Friends, I believe with all my heart that's what He wants to do in us. If we'll understand, this is our time. This is our moment. Be available faithful, and obedient. And the reason I'm sharing this with you today is because I know you are the ones that are. I'm just here to encourage you. Maybe that is my spiritual gift. Lynette would say no. But maybe God's doing a new work in my heart. You know, we lean toward 
wanting to have more, don't we? We lean toward wanting to have more. We lean toward wanting to have the best. And my staff's heard me say it time and time again. We ought to absolutely do our best because God did His best for us. And I believe that. Yes, we lean toward that. But it's often when we have the least that God will do the most. And I don't know about you today. I'm not willing right now. I'm not willing to back down, give in, quit, or allow the enemy to defeat me. Often people will run away or they'll quit when it gets hard or it gets difficult. And friends, can I just tell you today, that's not the path to victory. <laughs> that's not the path to victory. And so over these next few weeks, we're going to focus on our moment. What the Bible says the church ought to look like. What the Bible says the church should be doing in our moment. And we're going to be taking most of this from Paul's letter to the Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. And first, next week, we're going to see, number one, that we must always prioritize the gospel of Jesus Christ. That must be our priority. The good news of Jesus has to come before everything else. This won't be new stuff for y'all. It's just going to be a reminder and an encouragement. So that we're all on the same page. And so that we don't miss this moment. This very brief moment that we've been given. Our priority is the gospel. Next we're going to learn that we must be willing to do whatever it takes to reach all people. In our community. In our schools. In our workplaces. And not just there, but all around the world. And then we're going to learn we're called to make disciples. Not just converts, but disciples. And we're going to talk about what that looks like. And how that happens. And oh, by the way, it just don't happen in a little 45-minute session that we have here once a week. It happens... When we on purpose get together and study God's Word, discuss God's Word, whether that be in a Sunday school format, a small group format, or some other format that I haven't even thought of before that maybe you will. We've been called to make disciples. And then we're going to close out the series by going to the book of Acts. And we're going to see that every member in the body of Christ, every member of the church has been sent. Get up and go. And we're going to learn what that means for us. What it means for us to be sent and what that looks like for us and for you. Because don't miss this, friends. The worst thing that we could do in our lives is if we reach the end of our lives and we've missed our moment. That's the absolute worst thing that could possibly happen to any human being is to get to the end of their life knowing 
I missed my moment. I missed my chance. I missed the opportunity. This is our moment to shine in the darkness. This is our moment to love others when the tendency is to fight and to argue and disagree. This is our moment, our time to build the kingdom of God right here in our community and not just here, but around the world. Some of you, I believe with all my heart, before we finish this series, are going to feel called to go somewhere else and do some ministry for God. You see, because I believe that God's still calling people to be missionaries, to go to other parts of the world, to go to other parts of the state, to go to a motocross race, be the hands and feet of Jesus. I believe God's still calling people to do mission work. He's still calling people to be pastors. He's still calling people to be teachers, small group leaders, to serve. Our God is still the same. He has not changed. This is our moment. But the question today is this. Are you willing to be a Gideon? I believe you are. That's why I'm sharing this with you today. Because I knew who would be here today. The faithful. The solid. The committed. The deep-rooted. Are you willing to allow God to work through you the way He did in Gideon's life. I believe you are. I believe you are. And I can't wait to work along beside you, to serve along beside you, to help you, to let you help me. I'm looking forward to what God's going to do with this faithful few as he takes a little bit less, I believe, to do more. And I'm looking forward to what that's going to look like in our church, in your family, and in your life. This morning, we'll close with a time of prayer. And I want to open these altars to you this morning and invite you to come. Maybe there's something you would like to come and pray about. Maybe a situation. Maybe a family. I know there's a lot of hurt, there's a lot of pain, there's just been a lot going on. And maybe this morning you would like to come and lift up a situation or a family that you know is hurting or struggling. Maybe you just want to come this morning and recommit yourself to being faithful to this moment that you've been given. To serve God, to glorify God in this place. I invite you to come this morning. And as you come, I just ask you to uh, remember a couple of prayer requests. Um, Wanda Riddle, um, West Harkington's sister married to Ron Riddle, our cowboy pastor church, found out this week that she's got breast cancer. And uh, really doesn't know what that's going to entail, but uh, 
they're part of us. They're part of our family. They went out from here. Ron was called in this church to be a pastor. And God's done some amazing things through he and Wanda's ministry. So remember Wanda Riddle in your prayers and continue to pray for Barry McClellan, who uh, doctors aren't really giving Nancy a lot of hope about the future. But our hope is in God. And we want to continue to pray for Barry's healing and Nancy's comfort. And then for those of you that don't know, Shelby Sorry passed away unexpectedly uh, this past week. And his service will be uh, tomorrow, a graveside service at 11 o'clock at Thorn Cemetery. And so uh, I know the family would covet your prayers. Would you come this morning? If you don't come, just join me today as we close out our time together in prayer. I invite you to come. God, it's so good to be back with family today. To be back with not just my people, but your people. And I thank you for the blessing and just what you've allowed me to experience over these past few weeks and I thank you for a church that loves me enough um, to see and understand that sometimes it's just kind of good to step away to maybe get a new perspective uh, refreshing and renewal and God I thank you for that time but oh how I've missed these people these faithful ones these that are committed, that I know week in, week out, unless something is bad wrong, they're going to be here to serve. They're going to be here to love. They're going to be here to give. They're going to be here to work. And they won't be swayed because their roots run deep. And I thank you so much for giving me these people. God, we've been reminded today, number one, of who you are, number two, of what you can do, and who you'll use. Who you'll use so that people will step back and go, wow. Not wow, look at what we've done, but wow, that had to be God. And they see you at work and they go, only God. Only God could change that person. Only God could fix that situation. Only God could bring that healing. Only God could have saved that family. 
Only God. Hmm. God, while we know that you can do all things, we also know that you've called us to be the body of Christ. And you said, yes, you can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. Our strength comes from you. It doesn't come from ourselves. Our wisdom comes from you and your spirit. Nowhere else. So God, we understand today our dependency on you. But God, most of all today, I pray that we would understand that it's time. It's our time. And this decline could be what you're doing in order to have a big revival here in our community or in our nation or in the world. But God, it could also be that this could be winding things down. That we could be seeing this beginning of the falling away. Either way, the question is, will we be faithful? Will we be faithful to see great things? Or will we be faithful in the falling away? Either way, we've got to trust you. We've got to be faithful to you, committed to you, obedient to you. Because it's only then that other people will see you. Regardless of where we're at in this point of history. We're here at this place at this time. To serve you. Represent you. Build the kingdom of God. God I pray that you'll help me to love other people. Instead of judging other people. I pray that you'll help me to love other people instead of condemning other people. Talking bad about other people. God, help me to see other people the way that you see other people. God, I pray that as we go through these next few weeks that some people will be obedient to the things that you're calling them to do. I pray that they wouldn't miss their moment as you are still calling young men and women to be pastors, to be missionaries, to be teachers, to be medical professionals. You're calling people to be so many different things because you will use them all wherever they are for your glory and your good if we'll allow you to do it. God, I'm looking forward to the days ahead. Begin this work in me. If no one else, Lord, I pray that I'll be humble enough, I'll be available enough to be used. Even though, kind of like Gideon, we look at what's going on and we go, oh my goodness, what's happened? What's happening? And I'm sure Gideon wanted to freak out. God, that's when you're exalted. That's when you're glorified. So God, help us not to freak out. Help me not to freak out. Help us not to be afraid. Help us not to run from it, but to embrace our moment. 
I thank you for those that will. And I can't hardly wait to see what you're going to do in the days ahead. I love you. Thank you for loving me. And all the goodness and blessings that you have shown me. And it's in the powerful name of Jesus that we pray. This morning may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the love of God. And the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Be with you all. I love you.